Welcome to the American Horror Story podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for the American Horror Story hotel season, brought to you by Bald Move from the Bald Move Network. You can find all our stuff at baldmove.com, bald move, bald move, bald move. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me, as always, is... I'm Cecily. Cecily. And uh, I think that, first off, we should apologize for the audio quality. Nice. I am currently traveling between my couch and my bed while you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually from, I'm broadcasting from a garage in Seattle because it's like seven o'clock in the morning local time and everyone is still asleep in the house. My hosts are still asleep and I, I they don't have a spare bedroom. So like I didn't even think of this being a problem. So I wandered out. Garage? And, yeah, I'm out in the garage and it's kind of freezing cold. It's, it's drizzling out because it's Seattle. And uh-huh. um, I was like, oh, God, I'm either going to do it in his car because I found out his car was unlocked or I'm going to do it in the garage <laughs> if the Wi-Fi will reach out that far. And it does. So I apologize in advance. It's probably a little echoey, a little tinny. I'm going to try to clean this up. Uh, and we're doing this over Skype, which eats a bag of dicks already. Uh, but I'm I think we do... should really embrace it. It's very, you know, American Horror Story, the eerie, echoey, cold garage. It I is. think it works for us. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's – um, like chainsaws and uh, hacksaws and hammers. There's actually a skull I just now see. Oh, interesting. Kind of Halloween thing that he's got going on. But yeah, um, hopefully it's listenable. Um, We'll be back with our full rig next week. So um, hopefully it's not too bad. I did some testing. I think I I can clean it up in addition. Yes. And also, I want to issue a correction from our preview cast, oh. having completely forgotten after our conversation about Chloe Savini and what she's been in, that she was in Asylum briefly. I had forgotten about that. Well, I think we got a lot of things wrong. I, <laughs> I ended up editing out like five minutes of our conversation in the preview cast because I was like, this doesn't seem... All, like I was doing some cursor research in the Wikipedia. It's like this. None of this stuff seems right. None of this jive is what I'm hearing. So it's like I was trying to play it safe. Surprised I got some things wrong. But anyway. Well, we're good. We are prepared and ready and excited. Are you excited about the season? Do you want to just talk about how we feel about it first? Uh, that was kind of the preview cast, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, okay. How are you, how are you feeling about the season after watching the first episode? I am kind of, I, so I thought the first half, I thought the first half of the episode is just hot garbage. Like I was really dreading. I was getting scared. I'm like, Oh God, what have I signed up for? Cause I, cause I'm loathe to like, you know, we've only really stopped covering one show in mid season and I hated doing that. And I'm like, Oh man, this sucks. Uh, and then the second half of the episode I thought turned around and I'm engaged and, I guess why and this seemed like a common complaint when I was reading things online and reading people's reactions in the forums is why do you think Ryan Murphy decided to like uh, I can't remember who said it but it's like this show is becoming a parody of itself why do you think he went so American horror up at the front before we had any connection to any of the characters and everything is kind of you know like even Wes um, who I don't remember his name his detective character who ends up being sympathetic by the end of the episode 
it's yeah. just like, you know, it, it's almost like a scary movie type of thing. Him breezing in there and giving this like almost parody of a Hannibal from NBC investigation. What 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 did you think of the episode and, and why do you think Murphy approached it that way? This is also, well, by the way, the ep- this is the, for episode 501, Checking In. Checking In, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm off my game here. My garage game <laughs> is not strong. Um, well, I don't know. You know, Brian Murphy is walking a very fine line, and most horror movies walk the same line, you know, between, between campy and scary. I think that you have your paranormal activities that are just full-on scary, and then you have, like, uh, Scream, which started off pretty scary, and then by the end of its, you know, sequels, it was just, it was funny. It was a joke of itself. And um, I think given Ryan Murphy's background of just making, like, fun uh, types of shows, like, like Glee comes to mind. Uh, just sort of being, having that. Uh, how do you describe it? Like inside it's Hollywood, season type three of, Glee was a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but like it's especially bringing in Lady Gaga. It's more like uh, Hollywood insiders type of, of self awareness. I feel like he's got a lot of that, you know, especially with all of the social commentary that he brings into things. Um, and I think that's all fine, except when, and I'm just going to bring this up right up front. Did you feel like uh, it becomes a problem when you treat the rape of a man as sort of a joke? Did you feel like that was sort of a joke? No, I didn't think it was. Like, I didn't, I didn't think it was serious. I, I mean, I don't know. I think because it, it has, I, I guess that's what's interesting about American horror is that it it does broach somewhat fairly serious social topics and has, yeah. it seems like you know Ryan Murphy has a fairly fair mind when it comes to social justice issues, etc. That's it true, does, but I feel like, like he I, just brings it up and he's like, "Hey, this is a thing that we're just going to talk about real quick." But he doesn't make a point, a serious point about anything. It's just I, I feel sort like of it was, it was filmed in almost exactly the same light as Emma Roberts' rape in season three of, of Coven. So if that okay. was insensitive, um, then I'm not saying it was. I just thought I don't know. It's a question to be asked. Yeah, but, I mean, it's um, something you don't usually, you don't see that a lot. I mean, honestly, I mean, so honestly, male male rape is kind of treated as a joke in this society. Um, it is. You know, both statutory forms and beyond, you know, prison rape. It's like, you know, it's 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 a punchline, right? Oh, yeah. don't drop your soap when you're in prison, or I can't wait till this guy goes to some federal pound mass prison. Here, it's like yeah. you got literally a guy with this giant, you know, I, I think what makes it not a joke is the the drill bit that he was raping with like that that is literally no joke um and this is nervous chuckling laughter like ooh, that would be uncomfortable but i i don't know it i as a man speaking i don't get to do this very often i uh, speaking as a as a man i i was not a <laughs> okay but then well, again that might be my ch- my 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 chance of being raped by a a, a faceless chrome drill bitted strap on rape monster is is practically zero. <laughs> well, uh yeah. So we my get- opinion on the season as a whole as of 
after watching the first episode, I am excited. My bias is out there. I am a huge Lady Gaga fan, and I like the aesthetic of this season, and I'm just interested, interested in seeing where they go with it. Yeah, and I I, I got to say that also a lot of my excitement because I I got around I I came around by the end of the episode is the uh, this season on this season on looked yeah. um, you know the little montage they show of what's coming for the entire season looked incredible. Yeah, it does. But it's also got you know the the other problem I'm worried about is like you know last season it's kind of gave us whiplash like are we supposed to feel sorry for these freaks are we supposed to root for these freaks and. You know, it's supposed to be on board with their, like, murder all the normals thing. And, like, they, it kind of sometimes worked, kind of sometimes didn't. I'm a little worried about, yeah. you know, Wes seems like he's a sympathetic character. But I'm worried about, you know, Kathy Bates and Sarah Paulson's characters as uh, seeing them as, as sympathetic. Since, you know, he's gone so far into showing us how terrible their day-to-day actions are it's like i don't know that even if you have a tragic backstory i'm going to feel sorry for you but you know who exactly. knows? Like, i didn't think i'd feel genuine emotion for twisty the clown and that was a devastating storyline from last season so maybe maybe he's better at this than than, than, than i'm giving credit for all right yeah also but, kathy bates doesn't have a terrible accent so she's a lot easier to feel sympathy for yeah, no terrible southern accent, no terrible Baltimore accent. So, <laughs> all right, let's get in. Let's get into the this this recap. Uh, Five hundred one okay. checking in. We start. We're in Orlando, Florida. It's present time. Some international women who I think we eventually find out are Swedish. No, this is in California. Oh, oh, I. This I, is at Universal Studios, not the whatever they have in Florida. I got oh, it confused too. Oh, okay. I thought it was Orlando. I'm like, that's a really weird place to set the series because it's not like. I Orlando. thought, you know, I thought Orlando. My mind just went there because Jupiter, Florida, was where last season was, and I thought that's how they were going to tie sure. it together. Yeah, and you know, yeah. it's like all the attractions and all that stuff. So. These women are checking this hotel because they heard that it was close to all the attractions. It was posh, but they get there and it's very art deco and the set is amazing. And it's yeah. just full of this detail and really cool things, but it's quiet like a tomb. And they start getting turned off on the whole thing because it's a lot further away from everything than they were expecting. And Kathy Bates rudely informs them there's no refunds, but she says the place will grow on them. If they give it and her night. character's name is Iris. 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 So I'll try to not call her Kathy Bates from here on out. <laughs> um, there's no Wi-Fi or cell phone service, which that's a which is truly the most disturbing part of this episode is that there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, that's a deal breaker. Like I'm, I'm gone and checking in the supply. It'd be one thing of like you know you roll up into the mount, the Appalachian Mountains and you're checking into a, a cabin on top of the mountain in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, maybe you don't have Wi-Fi, and I'll put up with it. But, you know, especially California, no way. No way. I'm I'm gone. I'm gone. Um, But there is ice, um, and the woman goes down the hallway looking for ice, and she sees a maid who looks kind of deranged, and she's cleaning sheets for room 51, and it's just just blood, covered in blood. There's creepy kids kind of apparating and disapparating throughout the facility. Um, and our heroine feels like an ice prickly on her neck as if a jeweled glove was reaching out to claw at her, and it's nothing. Um, so also- we get an introduction here to a couple different types of characters. 
um, the little children, which they're, it's showing multiple running around. Yeah. And then we have the maid cleaning the bloodstained sheet in the hallway. And the maid, is she an apparition or is she sort of magical being? Because I don't know the answer to any of those things. Just presenting questions now. Because we'll answer them later. You're, you're, you're right. She doesn't interact with any of the major characters throughout the series episode. But she appears and disappears at will like she did in that sort of maybe it was a hallucination. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She seems to definitely be there in some capacity. Uh, so the woman returns back to her friend with presumably the bucket of ice, and the room smells like a dead animal. And they, it seems that it's coming from the mattress. And they tear off all the sheets, and the mattress is sloppily stitched together like, you know, some kind of Frankenstein monster. And one of the blonde women decides to rip open the mattress. And what do you know but this crapulent man that's in very poor physical condition and disrepair busts out of the room and screams with rotten teeth. And there we go. We're into the credit sequence, which, um, it's, so for my money, for my money, did I fries with that? Um, for my money, you can't get creepier than the Coven intro sequence. I think that is the most chilling and creepy and otherworldly uh, sequence they, they've got. And I, I agree. It's not as visually interesting as Freak Show. And so I guess it's just kind of like the rest. Like, the, to me, Coven and Freak Show are the standout credit sequences, and this is just kind of par for the course. It is. I would have to say it would be Coven, Freak Show, Murder House, Asylum, Hotel. Oh, I had to at the bottom. Oh. Uh, I have to watch it a few more times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's it's just my beginning because I you know I never seen the others two in, in context. So um, after the episode, I, I looked them up on YouTube and watched them a couple times. And yeah, I, I definitely think it's it hard to beat Kevin, at least maybe for me personally. That creepy demon stick figure puppet thing was. Yeah. And and the way it synchronizes the music just whew, gives me whew, gives me chills like Sam Mufasa. Uh, so Kathy Bates is just as upset about this terrible situation as they are, although I don't believe her, um, Iris rather. And she says, yeah. you can talk to the police about it at the hotel, or you can, uh, talk to them in jail when they arrest you for evasion, which seems like a bunch of bullshit, but these are foreigners. They've, they've heard stories about America. Uh, they know America the does some fucked up shit. They know the cops shoot first and never ask questions and delete the evidence and deny the wrongful death claims. So they're going to sit in room 64 that is an empty room that they never rent out because uh, Iris made a big deal out of fact that they're full capacity when they tried to transfer to a non-stinky room. Yes, uh, it's an have, empty room that they never rent out except to every single person who walks in looking for a room. <laughs> and then I thought it's funny because they like one hour later and, you know, of course there's no cell phone service and these girls are both super bored. And yeah, and they them, don't show the time one I, hour later. I, I know, and then one of them dozes off and then wakes up and they show the clock, but there's no point of reference for knowing how, what time that is. So, yeah, I think the point of reference we're supposed to take with that is the fact that the clock turns to that time later when John yes. Lowe is in the same room. Yes. So I didn't, it didn't make sense at the time, but I guess I was about to later. say I was about to say that I speculate because that's the other thing about me traveling is I only had an opportunity to watch this once, um, 
and my 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 gut feeling was that the time itself was going to be significant. But still, the one hour later um, cutscene or the one hour later title seemed like it was useless or superfluous. Anyway, um, she wakes up and she finds her roommate being sucked on by two of the creepy kids, and they kind of like hiss at her like opossums, I think. And then we cut to Wes Bentley, who I, I don't know this guy's name. John Lowe. John Lowe. name. Okay. Rob Lowe. Um, so he is some kind of investigator, and he arrives on the set of NBC's Hannibal. And, I, I mean, how would you describe this scene? It's. It was, I don't know. It was a little, like, I don't know, over-the-top NCIS walking in. Like the guy with the sunglasses, the one that's endlessly memed. Yes, yes. That's what it felt like to me. Right. Like he walks in, he's got, he already knows details, and he's the super detective who sees things that even people who have canvassed the crime scene already can't see. Uh-huh. Like he instinctively knows it. But, you know, at the end of the episode, I come to appreciate that maybe he is familiar with this particular killer. Yeah, no. I, yeah. And the thing is, is hitting a, hitting us this close with this, and again, this thing does seem like a parody of a crime scene investigation show. And maybe that's intentional, but to me, it, it, it felt very jarring with the tone that they're trying to establish. And just, it kept on getting more and more ludicrous. Like, this guy's had his eyeballs dug out, and he's still alive, and he's underneath this woman. And then you find out that his, his penis has been super glued into her vagina. Yeah. And then he's been given boner pills, so he can't. I mean, this is like, I don't, just ludicrous. Just, it's seven. They're recreating the plot of the movie seven. It's eight and a half at least, and <laughs> I, I just don't. And I, I just I, I don't know. And it's it bent slightly to the right. It's not working I'm, for me. Yeah, I'm kind of horrified that they didn't. Well, maybe that's the point. But as soon as they discovered this guy's alive, why don't they immediately take him to the hospital? Well, it's probably complicated because the girl is crucified to the bedpost and he's glued inside to her. And I guess you could take a chain, you know, like the jaws of life and, and, and cut her torso away. But it's like, you know, a little, little, little complicated. But you're right. They're like setting up a chalk outlining and taking photos. And he's just sitting there chilling, you know, help me. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the potential to live. And every moment that he's not taken to the hospital, I feel like but he's going to die. He's pleading the whole thing. It sounds like he's saying, get me out of here. Get me out of yeah. here. And you find out he's actually saying, get me out of her because his super glue boner is in, uh, stuck inside her bagoo. And it's just like, Horrible. You know, Horrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, so later in his office, he's reviewing other cases where there's gold flakes embedded in people's assholes and it's super crazy, but then his super adorable Yeah, did daughter... you catch, did you catch the story behind that one? No, I didn't. Um, this guy was an Oscar reviewer and so it seems like he was beat to death with an Oscar and then, well, uh... maybe before the death or after, he seemed to be raped with the Oscar. Gotcha. Gotcha. There's a lot of metallic, uh, phalluses being shoved in dude's anuses this, this, uh, season. Even if there's no more, that still qualifies as a lot. Um, but yeah, super adorable yeah. daughter calls him and tells him this bunch of crap about school, which I don't think he cares about. And then he sits down to do this, uh, looks like a ritual because he's always working at night. Um, he, he reads to her little woman, 
Little Women over his uh, FaceTime connection with her. FaceTime. Yeah, and the mom doesn't want to say hi. So you sense that, no, I don't know, there's something going on there. There's trouble. And then also he gets a phone call that he turns down because nothing interrupts his Little Women time with his daughter. And then he gets a phone call immediately after, and his deep voice tells him he's pissed off and he wouldn't take his call. And tells him he's going to do another grisly sex scene at another hotel in town. And we intuit that this is the uh, super glue vagina killer. Yeah. And he goes on high alert. Uh, so then back at the hotel, some dude rocking a snakeskin jacket, a uh, a camel jack, a camouflage jacket, some kind of this is, reptile uh, skin. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Character's name is Gabriel, played by Max Greenfield from New Girl. You're a fan of New Girl. I am a fan of. Oh, that is who that is. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's the other thing that made me think that it was. I mean, this guy is playing um, a flamboyant whatever he's supposed to be playing. That's a, he's, he's yeah. A I'm not comedic, saying he's, he's a comedic actor, so yeah. it just you know it sets that up right away. Uh-huh. He's he's flamboyant but I have no idea exactly his sexual orientation or lifestyle. He's just whatever he's doing it's very flamboyant. Yeah. And he gets assigned room 64 which we already know bad things go down in and Sarah Paulson then slinks into the scene and calls dibs because this guy is super sweet. And during his hallway walk, we see some just ridiculous shit, like this look Nazi-looking war doctor in some kind of Doctor Who post-apocalyptic gear comes out to give yeah. him a look. There's Russell Edgington in glorious drag. but it's... <laughs> On top of a ladder, because why not? So Mr. Sweet, who you've informed me is Gabriel, but I'm going to keep on Mr. Sweet. He shoots okay. up uh, as soon as he gets to his room, presumably it's heroin, and he starts tripping balls. And it doesn't help when he sees a no-faced man who looks – he looks very um, Guillermo del Tormo-esque. Um, he's very um, – Mr. is it Mr. Hands in Pan's Labyrinth or is it the eyeless man? I can't I remember. It's the eyeless man who puts his eyeballs in his hands. There you go. Um, <laughs> but you, exactly see that, you, see, you see the maid complaining about pissed and bloody sheets in the corner. And then he gets anally violated by no face man's drill bit penis attachment. Um, which I read, which I don't consider this to be a spoiler because it's been all over all of the reviews that I've read and Ryan Murphy interviews, which he gave away a lot, a shocking amount. We, we talked um, about this last week, last year too. It's like the man, yeah. he's like a six-year-old trying to keep a secret about his dad's birthday. Like he just like, all right, Ryan, I don't want to know, but I really want to tell you. Well, don't tell me, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Oh, but it's going to be so cool. No, seriously, just wait. I'll I'll open my present tomorrow. You know, it's a tie. Uh, No, yeah, yeah, he he just can't wait. He he can't wait. Yeah, I know. So based on his interview, I know the name of this monster that rapes him, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because I think it gives a better context to the scene. But the thing is called the addiction monster. And... He and Sally, played by Sarah Paulson, kind of go hand in hand as her being the junkie, of course. So the addiction monster raping him gives that a better context as to, uh, you know, and what addiction does to you as a person, I guess. It's supposed to be a, a thought on that. Yeah. yeah. Or it uh, does to you and the people who love you, things like that. And so they are connected because Sarah Paulson shows up the perv on the whole scene. Um, yeah. 
So then in the elevator, we see. Wait, how did I get? Oh, Wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right, I, I before skipped, you move yeah, yeah, on, I'm sorry. I skipped this. I skipped the West West Bentley's character. Yeah. Okay, but before you move on. Yeah. Um, knowing that the addiction monster is called the addiction monster, do you think that it's a real thing, or do you think that that's something that happens when you get high at this hotel and it just causes you a lot of physical pain so you imagine that you're being raped or whatever else he will I mean that maybe that's the thing he rapes people but maybe he inflicts pain in other ways and other junkies that come in the season do you think he's real it's real man so that's the thing I don't I don't know that I have enough information to say that and also I don't even know uh-huh. what real means in the context of this hotel like, I mean, like, are a, you actually being raped, so, so, or do you think that it's an infliction of pain based on the fact that you're doing heroin in this hotel, and it's just it could a manifestation be, like, it of, could be I don't an know. actual spirit. Like, I don't think he's real in the terms of flesh and blood. Like, I think there's some definitely ghosts and some, like, apparitions and some, like, poltergeists, and... Oh yeah. I wonder if we're going to find out that this uh, addiction monster, the skinless, this faceless man was created kind of like, you know, poltergeist, they're not really a ghost. They're just like a malevolent spirit that is born when something really bad goes down at a location. It's just like bad, like a location's bad blood that it has towards people. I wonder if Kathy Bates throwing Sally out of the window created like this vengeful spirit that bound to Sally. Interesting. But, you know, there again, it's like, is that real? Is it real? Is it figment? I mean, I don't know. It's like a matrix yeah. deal. The, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. your, the drugs make the anal violation real. Um, Red heroin or blue heroin? <laughs> I prefer Mexican black tar heroin if I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> okay, that's safe. So, yeah, Wes, Wes shows up. Uh, det- detective shows up to see room, to see room 64. Um because that's where the killer said things are going to go down, and why not? And Liz Taylor and, uh, shows up, which Taylor. is, which is uh, Iris' Hare, name. Russell Edgington. Yep, which is her name for Russell Edgington. She, he shows up uh, to show him through the room. And meanwhile, Camo Jacket is still getting just drilled. And again, Sarah Paulson shows up. I, I jumped ahead a bit. This is where she enters the scene. So they're in the elevator, um, Liz Taylor and the detective, and he intuits that he, the detective's lost something, that he's stuck in time. And we're going to find out that indeed he did. And then we cut back to room 64, and Sally says, I need you to say I love you, Sally, to Camo Jacket. And he does, and she says, like, say it with meaning, and he does, and... Uh, his eyes fully dilate and he dies, or it looks like he dies. Yeah, I mean definitely I, OD at the very least. I'm thinking this is like now as I'm saying this, I'm starting to think like this is pretty good proof that the um, the faceless man in, or the addiction monster is not real. That yes, it is just an overdose. So yeah, then I guess what does that mean? Does that mean Sally shoved him under the bed? I don't, so I got a lot. Of, let's let's keep moving on because I got some questions okay. here. So Russell Edgington looks fucking amazing floating down his hallway on these platform heels, and he's got this diaphanous gown that's just like flowing behind him like a cape, and it looks. And he he's just loving this. I'm enjoying his sure. performance because he is, you know. Yes. Yeah. 
it, it's 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 really a pleasure to to watch him having fun with this. And yeah. so the detective enters the premises of room 64, and he thinks there's some bad shit going on because he's got his gun out, and he sweeps it, and he finds that it's empty. So he decides to lay down and close his eyes, like, you know, you do when you're expecting a uh, serial murder to come and do a killing in this room. And hey, he's a seasoned detective. He knows what he's doing. He's you always take a nap at the crime scene. He's a sleepy detective is what he is. And <laughs> then it, it, it kind of like pans down from him to underneath the bed, and we see Camo Jacket uh, laying there apparently dead, but then he kind of gasps awake. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because And how did that not wake up the detective? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, next thing you know, it's 2.30 in the morning, which is the time that the uh, Swedish girls were preyed upon by the children. And mm-hmm. Wes indeed sees these creepy... 24, to be exact. Okay. And, see, I like to round things up. Uh, but Wes, uh, the detective, sees this creepy little child in his room, and he says, Holden? But then the kid is nowhere to be found. So, like, my first thought was, this kid looks a lot like a kid that I'm starting to understand that he lost. Yeah. What come to appreciate is he looks exactly like the kid because he is the kid that he lost. But, but <laughs> yeah. we'll get, we'll get to that later. Again, like I felt at this point, I'm still feeling very detached because I don't know what's going on. And there's just all this shocking and offensive and stuff happening for no real reason. And there's no, you know, they haven't just done anything to the characters to make me care about them. So I'm just like, this is kind of like a mess so far. Yeah. Uh, we then see somebody getting ready in style. It's This is scored, this whole sequence is scored to I Want to Tear You Apart by She Wants Revenge, which I uh, I love that song. It's a really sexy... I'm hearing it, and I love it too. It's it's a really um, aggressively sexy and sexual song, which... And matches. I also, I looked it up, and the lyrics are actually I Want to Fucking Tear yes. You Apart, which... They, they polarized it a bit, yeah. Yeah clear but it's a very good song yeah uh i recommend it and it's got lady gaga snorting coke and getting all dolled up with her best boy toy massive amount of coke that's a lot to be taking in sure but she's also not a vampire but oh no i'm just blood sucking she's she's some kind of immortal disapparating blood sucking creature but she's not a vampire um she vampire. She can indulge in human pleasures. She's a glamfire. She's a glamfire. That's what she is. There you go. But don't call her that. So they but float over to an outdoor film festival at night, and they're watching Nosferatu because, of course, they are. And there's some yeah. um, lawn-based seating-type flirting going on between the attractive couple so, that they're trying to seduce and themselves. And then next thing you know, they're we all... We think that we are close to Halloween since they're doing a graveyard screening of Nosferatu. Oh, it's a graveyard screening. Yeah, they walk through a that's graveyard to they, Yeah, that's not something they do in California unless it's the month of October. Right, that's what I'm thinking. So okay. Halloween episode soon? Obviously, they have to. Oh, they should. Um, so, yeah, they go off to the hotel, and it's all going to end badly, and it does. And, again, I want to stress that these are not vampires, even though they're covered in blood and they're lapping it up and, and, and taking pleasure in all this. And they haven't I aged mean, a day in some, 20 years. Yeah, there are some interesting differences. One, you don't see them. 
Well, except for the children, but you don't see any bites happen. They're always using these finger blades that cut people open in order to drink their blood. But I don't think the fangs are an essential part of the vampire. An essential part of vampire no, I'm just is saying you're a supernatural creature that drinks blood. Right. So he's it's like that's like saying that um, you know Stephanie Meyer vampires aren't real vampires because they're sparkly. Uh, that's a viewpoint I endorse. But I don't think you well, can, in fairness, say that that's they're not real vampires just because they they don't they they don't fit all the conventional conventions. Well, here's another interesting hypothesis, and that is that early on when Lady Gaga was first announced, and then her character name Elizabeth was announced, there was a lot of speculation that she would be like Elizabeth Bathory, which is the woman who killed in her lifetime over 600 women and bathed in their blood and that it's according to her kept her youthful so okay so so that um, you might be trying to do something like that where they don't need to be drinking the blood but since they're doing it it keeps them all you know young and eternally alive okay well i mean that's the second you add it to the fact that when you when you start adding that it really works to the mix like i'm back to like okay well they're a vampire also, yeah. the way that she's able to, like, disapparate and, like, project her consciousness and, like, stalk things, I feel like that that's also fairly vampiric. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Agreed. Ryan Murphy will Agreed. blow my mind and he'll invent the, the, he'll invent the whole glampire genre and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what we'll be doing for the next decade in movies and television shows. But we'll right. See. There's nothing wrong with vampires, but... No, I mean, I'm as just long a, as I'm you just, are, have your own original idea about it, and I think that this is a very interesting original idea about vampires. Okay. But if you're going to insist that it's not, then like, that's the thing. Like, I'm book. I'm fine with all this except for not calling them vampires because that just seems yeah. you're a little bit vampire hipster, Ryan Murphy. If you're stressing yeah. that these people are not vampires, like you can say these aren't your mother, these aren't your mother's vampires, these aren't your teenage sister's vampires. Fine. Yeah. You know. But they're right. still kind of vampire. Moving on. Uh, the next day, the detective, Wes, is home with his family and his dog and his doctor wife, who is Chloe Savini. And we intuit that they don't ever and see each other. And her name is Alex. Her name is Alex. Um, and she's going to be Chloe. And they must have just crazy hours because she's a doctor and he's a detective who we already know keeps crazy hours. And they just don't see each other. And there's you can you can see, like on set, the wall between them. Um, there is a, a mason actually laying bricks on camera, um, but yeah, uh, and that's about it. That's that's all I got. It's just established that she's a doctor, and they don't see each other, and they have some tension. Yeah. So based on the fact that what time is it? It's got to be so early in the morning. I mean, it was two twenty-four when he was laying down in the hotel. When did he leave? Yeah. How long was he sitting in his car? Try, or not wanting to come inside the house and face his wife and his lost son. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is that little girl still doing awake? <laughs> it's like four o'clock in the morning. Maybe she's a ghost too. They both died, and, and this, they're, they're just this is a shared madness. But um, off the rails. Yeah. Kids. I mean, how much time? How much time are they spending doing work that needs to be done? And how much time are they spending just not being? near each other you know what i mean yeah he does a lot of just goofing off in this episode but um also i want to point out that their children are named after literary characters Mm. little girl scarlet which i assume is from gone with the wind and the little lost boys holden from catcher in the rye 
Yeah, Holden Caulfield. I yeah. Man, those are two so very different references. I'm almost wondering if there's a different Scarlet that we're not thinking of. Because I don't know. I you know like when I think of Scarlet hair, I don't think her natural counterpart is Holden Caulfield. <laughs> I don't True, know. True, but I'm uh, yeah. yeah. But I'm gonna keep my eye out for more literary references and hopefully I'm not disappointed. <laughs> All right. So Iris is going down to feed the Swedes, and they are being held in the Tron version of an Iron Maiden. Uh, like that's that's the perfect description for it. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, it's and, a neon medieval torture device. Yes, and and she says they need to recover from their wounds, and she's feeding them a bunch of I guess blood making food. It's like liver, and she's talking about how high in iron it is, and how it's so good for your red blood cells. And it's like, okay, we get it. We get it. They're they're cattle, and uh, they also get this tube with this funnel, and it's like a thick plastic tube, and she's going to shove it down her throats. But I'm thinking, what with world events since last American Horror Story, that we are going to get an implied rectal feeding at some point this season. What do you? That's think? what I was thinking too. She's like, you can do this the easy way or the hard way, and the easy way is shoving the tube down their throat. That's that's so. why that's why I love you because we're on the same wavelength. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I definitely think we're going to get some uh, some forced rectal feeding this this season. Yeah, uh, the other girl's still trapped in that cage down there. So, uh, what did you think about the neon? Why are we not having sex right now? Sign was well, that in also, this room or that? Well, that that was in the Gaga's coke snorting glam vampire room. Uh, oh this my This one bad. says, "I love you to death." Uh, there's another one that says, "Pain don't hurt," which is a quote from Roadhouse. <laughs> and I don't know what to think about that because so these signs are all associated in my mind with Lady Gaga's domain. Um, so they're like being held prisoner in her suite or her her suite of suites. And I don't know. And I, I'm are, are they all are they all quotes from movies? And are, are they going? I don't to know. I can't. Are there going to be some significant like ref? I mean, or is he going to do like a Roadhouse? episode that would be kind of cool <laughs> yeah i guess um i don't know i i didn't think that it was a movie quote so i didn't really look into it but i guess it should i thought it was and I, I only saw this once but i thought i saw pain don't hurt um and there's this big long uh, so sarah paulson uh you said sally she slinks into the room and she kind of like dismisses iris and there's some bad blood between them and like oh, okay we don't understand this but we're going to come to appreciate it and she talks about how this show used to be a puppet show room. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's a possible freak show connection. Uh, we're going to yeah. see Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Uh, I want an interesting flashback. Yeah. yeah. And he's, she says she wants to be entertained. She wants to be moved with her tears. And then she says, run. And she screams it in her face and the woman that she, she lets her go from her Tron Iron Maiden and she goes running through mm -hmm. the hotel. She almost makes it to the exit, but she gets Gaga right in the throat, right in front of the main doors and got, and, and you know, Kathy Bates, Iris gets up there and she's all flustered and shocked. Like, I don't know what happened. And she's being genuine because Sally fucked her. And, uh, she says this can never happen again, which makes me start to wonder whether Gaga can see Sally. Like maybe Sally is and the addiction monster are are Iris's own personal demons. Like these are her crosses to bear. Do you think? Well, I don't know. I think that 
Which Iris is also dead. I think that Iris is also dead like Sally. But what if we find out that actually Sally, okay, that's an interesting thought. But what if we find out that because, Iris, because Iris seemed like she aged from her first cut scene. Like she, she seemed, or did she have her hair up and wearing glasses now? So I, I interpreted, really tell. I interpreted Iris when she was back 20 years ago as being kind of age appropriate for the mother of, of this, this kid. And now she's aged 20 years and he hasn't. I'm also wondering if we're going to find out that Iris, that Sally literally is Iris. Like she's she's doing all these things as some kind of like ritual because she feels guilty for killing Iris and having her son die and and the situation she's in. Like if we're gonna find a scene where we see events acted out by like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde type of thing. Yeah, like we'll Dr. see Hyde. later on, like this scene from a from the Swedish woman's POV, and we'll see it's Kathy Bates saying "run" and all the, these things. Like it's it's literally she's literally her. Like this is a, a split. It, it's it's uh, well, shoot, I almost made a contemporary spoiler reference to another show that we just got finished watching. I can't do that, damn it. But yeah, <laughs> I guess Jekyll, Mister Hyde. She's she's this is an alter ego. I'm wondering if this is an alter ego that she's becoming. That's an interesting idea. Um. So yeah, uh, Wes and his daughter, the detective, and his daughter Scarlett are having sushi, and I started like, "This is so fucking like, what kid sits and eats sushi?" Then I just realized, yeah, my seven-year-old <laughs> eats sushi. Right now, yeah. he's nine years old. He 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 loves sushi. So I'm like, okay, I'll 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 give you that one, Murphy. But she's <laughs> she's kind of got this heartbreaking scene where she's talking about how she's forgetting her brother's face and she can only really see him in the dreams, but it's all kind of hazy. And she's wondering if they should put up pictures again, which that seems healthy. Yeah, you should, you should absolutely do yeah. that. And I agree. Gets, I don't it, think you should, should set up a shrine, but putting up pictures and remembering is yeah. fine. Or, sure, you know, however you deal with grief. But, yeah, get some, I feel like putting some pictures up of your brother is, is a healthy way of, of moving on. He so gets, who do you think took all the pictures down? Was it Alex or was it John? I'm going to say Alex. Me too. Because he looked very sympathetic to what she's saying, and like it's almost conspiratorially, yeah. like, hey, I think how do you think, and then we can gang up on this other third person. Like this is kind of a uh, survival tribal meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're gonna go back and, and tell Chloe, uh, Chloe to get her torch and get the fuck out. But <sighs> yeah, that was my that was my opinion. But yeah. he gets a text from his wife that says where she is and that she she needs help. Me. She needs help. Uh, help me! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! When she arrives in the scene and he got he has his daughter in tow and it's probably two o'clock in the morning, but that's cool because she keeps vampire hours. Do you and, say that it's two twenty-four? Then he goes in. He decides to go in alone, and then the creepy sex voice killer calls again and says a bunch of sh smack. And to make matters worse, his daughter gets out. There's police on the scene, but no one notices the little girl getting out and slowly wandering into the house. And she just kind of wanders. There's just the one police officer so far. But his job is, when he gets out of the car and leaves his daughter there, his job is to secure the scene and also make sure the eight-year-old doesn't wander into a murder scene. But he doesn't. Yeah, you don't go chasing leaves rustling in the woods. That was stupid, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she, he doesn't, and we find out that she, there's these two men that are tied up on these, this four-poster bed, like Harry Potter style, and their their guts are hanging out, again, Harry Potter style. And <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of horrific. Um, also, I thought Do you think the, these are gay men? Why? why? 
I no, I didn't. I didn't think that. Why are you saying? I mean, what are you basing that on? Just the fact that they're two men and they're handsome and they don't have any hair on their bodies and they're pretty cut. Yeah, two adult men living in this sprawling, beautiful house alone. Um. Would you're describing, me how, that. But you're they, describing how Jim but, and I found the bald move, by the way. Two beautiful men. Yeah, but they're sleeping in separate beds. Which, <laughs> yeah, they're sleeping in separate beds. Still describing me and Jim. Still, still describing me and Jim at the start of bald move. No, no, no. No, you guys shared a bed. <laughs> we have shared a bed, but you, it's always been in the sense of like, <laughs> we're too cheap to afford two rooms at a con, and they fucked us and gave us a king size bed instead of two queens kind of thing. Two and I'm queens. also. Looking, oh my god, this, it's, it's coded language. What am I saying? Um, what? what um, no? There's also, I'm also looking for a theme between the murders. This, the man and the woman in the hotel were killed because they were cheating on their spouses. Why did this killer, who I assume is the same guy, is he got a theme? Is he um, punishing moral ambiguities? Ooh. I'm just wondering why these two men were chosen. And if it's... they weren't gay, like, why? They were sleeping in separate beds. It makes me think that they weren't together, but um, what did they do wrong? It's the Kentucky County clerk killer. <laughs> Kim Davis, I knew it. She might have to Finally, Ryan Murphy makes a statement. <laughs> it's been so long. I've been waiting for him to take a stand one way or another. Um, <laughs> are you ready for a flashback? Because in my mind, this is where the episode actually becomes genuinely. Because I, I thought this thing was bullshit up until this point, and then I started to engage from this moment forward. Uh, yeah. so, so we're going back to Santa Monica 2010, presumably five years ago, and they're at a fair, like a carnival type of attraction. Uh, the type of fair where there's no lines for carousel. You just walk on and throw your kid up on, on the, uh, the horse with the yellow feet. Hell, and, your kid could even walk up and throw themselves under it. There's yeah, nothing stopping you. And any <laughs> any child abductor can can do the same. But he doesn't think of that, and he smiles and he turns his back for one minute and checks his phone. Um, and his child is gone. And then we cut back to present day, and the detective John and his wife. Uh, what you say her name was? Alex. Alex. And John. They're having a weird argument because, first of all, I thought Chloe is cover your eyes bad in the scene. Like, I, I I don't know what it exactly is, but I whatever she was trying to portray fell flat for me. And yeah. they also say, like, I and again, I, I was turning the corner, so maybe I was a little harsh on the scene, but she's saying stuff like, look, I know you wouldn't put our child in danger. And I'm like, I don't know. He took your child to a murder scene and left her alone to wander into a active crime scene with people's gut hanging out. So I'm not even sure you believe that, but she says he wasn't available. He needed to investigate. He left that little girl in the hands of a, what was supposed to be a capable police officer. I don't hold that against him as a mother. Maybe I would. I'm saying as a mother who is having a shitty relationship with this man, you probably would. And we find and out who's that he's already kind of culpable for losing one child. Exactly, because I mean, if he wasn't a slave to his goddamn cell phone, it never would have happened. But um, she says that the whole problem with their marriage is that he looks exactly like Holden. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. I know what Wes Bentley looks like, and I know what Holden looks like now. I think I look a thing of, like, if you're, going to, if you're going to throw that bullshit in my face, then you need to do better job central casting. What the hell? 
Yeah, make Wes Bentley blonde. <laughs> but yeah, with a different Platinum face. Platinum blonde, Lady Gaga style. Eyebrow, eyebrows and all. <sighs> so she says, I, I need a break. I need to, well, we need a break so I can get your face out of my mind. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that's, I will say that the the casting aside, that is a fairly powerful concept that you lose a child and you still, you know, that's like, that's, there's this shocking statistic about how many marriages the death of a child wrecks because this is the happiness, the central focus of your relationship. What you're both trying to work for is to get this creature to adulthood so it can be its own person and go out into the world and make other copies of itself. And if it dies, yeah. it's got it like, you know, because most kids look like, oh, you've got your mommy's eyes or you've got your daddy's nose or you all like that. And it's like, it's got to be rough that you see these echoes of, you know, your child in this other person's face. And yeah, it, it seems like a, a bad deal all around. So I thought it was a terribly performed and questionably casted and not particularly interestingly written scene, but the core concept of what these people are struggling through kind of carried for me. Yeah. Uh, so we see these people that are just weird. Um, coming into the building. We're going to find out that one of them is a wealthy real estate magnet slash fashion mogul. And Played by Cheyenne Jackson. His son, who looks like the asthmatic kid from Signs, although <laughs> he literally can't be the same actor unless this person's a vampire yeah. too. Um, yes, <laughs> in real life. And the, real, and the and realtor who introduced the real estate magnet as a Will Drake. And Also, by the way, I want to point out that the realtor is the same one from Murder House. Ah. Uh. And she is, in the scene, she's talking about um, having to put this bad dog that she has down. It's uh. the dog that she inherited from the family in Murder House after they were killed. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, the, there. we find out that this hotel's been bought in secret and it's got a new owner and this will guy will drake is the guy and kathy bates says oh we're going to be turned out into the streets and i'm at this point i'm like am i supposed to be sympathizing with kathy bates now because she's been nothing but a remorseful kind of cruel killer to this point uh the developer yeah. goes up and throws open the shades in the glampire suite and the two vampires oh i'm sorry they're not vampires the two glampires <laughs> are all really butthurt about it it's like again they're sensitive to sunlight but then again they just might be they just might have uh, had an all-night orgy of blood, and they're just tired. Like, I, I, if you threw open the blinds to my room when I was sleeping, I would probably kind of, like, <laughs> too. So I can't – and I don't think I'm a vampire. Uh, so anyway, this guy – you find that so, – so Lady Gaga sees this guy, and she goes instantly into, like, charming Lady Gaga mode. And she says, oh, I love your fashion designs and all these things. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he talks about being on a cleanse, and she says, not anymore, because have you tried booze? And he's, I don't know. There's but that line, that line works on me every time. <laughs> <laughs> but you're never every time cleanse. I think about going on a diet, I'm like, but booze? <laughs> yeah. But have you considered cheesecake? Uh, <laughs> and there's a, bunch, there's a bunch of stupid lines about messes. Like, there's this little kid, and he breaks, I think he breaks something, or he does make some mess, and she says, messes are always forgiven the first time. And she seems like she has a genuine interest in children, which we'll That's find out more does. about here in a bit. And, there's a, and, and this guy, this Will Drake, gives his big speech about 
how this site has got energy and it's not been gentrified and it's got homeless people and weirdos and characters and the man's always trying to push these people out through the edges and I want to embrace it in this weird ass. And uh, Gaga then says, you should go see something with my boy toy, um, some, some interesting light sculpture, which I'm assuming is the, that we're going to find out is the Tron kind of Iron Maiden thing that the German, the Swedish girls are stuck in while Lady Gaga abducts this I think child. it's an actual light sculpture that she was just using to get them out of the room and keep the child. Mm, we'll see. Uh, but she then takes him to a secret room where there's tons of these kids, creepy little kids, playing these sweet-ass versions of classic arcade and handheld games. There's, like, playing Tetris and Dr. Mario and, like, the, all these wall panels or Game Boy screens. And there's candy dispensers. Candy. Yeah. And Holden is here, and we find out that she's a kitty collector. What do you think of this? Ba -ba um, I think that... The older boy that she brought in does not match her aesthetic, so I'm wondering what her game plan is. Mm. I think um, what's funny is I think this kid looks more like uh, Wes Bentley than Holden does. Agreed. <laughs> and it's not that strong a resemblance, but at least he's got like the dark kind of type and the the the, yeah. the, the, the fine facial bone structure features. Yeah, it looks like a mix of two people instead of some platinum blonde carbon copy. Weird. But um. Yeah, I mean, he's bigger than the other kids. He's significantly less blonde. I'm wondering <laughs> if she's just going to introduce him to the kids just to creep out this boy or if she's going to make him a part of her brood. Yeah, but the thing is, is like she also takes, like, the boy toy. I guess that was for her own pleasure. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, she takes people for various reasons, and I wonder if she, like, takes the children because she's, like, some kind of creepy mother to them, and she takes... Like old, maybe she need they she decides they need a big brother. I don't. We don't know enough about her motivations to to judge. I thought it would have been an interesting idea if when she takes these kids they turn blonde, because then you could add a flashback with Holden and he actually is dark haired and he looks like his a lot more like his dad. And well, then, we saw the flashback and he is blonde. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think they missed a golden opportunity to intuit that when she takes these kids, however she does, that they turn um, blonde, like platinum blonde, like she is, and also yeah. Like much in, cooler in, to see a physical change. Yeah. And in the modern-day Glampire version of Gaga, she has uh, blonde eyebrows, and it's really visually striking. It gives her a very Marilyn Manson uh, masculine vibe to her look that completely yeah. goes away when she goes with the dark eyebrows later in the episode. It was, like, really... It, 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 yeah, like that's essentially the only change they make, but it completely changes the way her face looks. I think. Agreed. Okay. Address. So we find out in the next scene that Lady Gaga's vampire, vampire, excuse me, boy toy is actually Iris's boy, and then we immediately go to a flashback to 1994. What? Then his name is Donovan. Okay, and I don't care. Uh, but we go to immediately to a flashback to 1994, and Iris is following Sally to the tune of Downtown, and <laughs> Sally has had the same look for 20 years, which I'm starting to think, oh, I get it now. She's she's some kind of ghostly or otherworldly apparition or creature, too, and she has Iris's son, Donovan, in tow. Yeah. 
And we mm-hmm. find out that this man is a heroin junkie, and they immediately shoot up in a hotel. She shares a dirty needle with him, which I'm thinking, ooh, this is bad. But then I find out that they're both essentially immortal, so I guess nothing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're immortal with hepatitis. That probably sucks, because then you're stuck with hepatitis forever. <laughs> is that how it works, or do all maladies go away once you become immortal? I don't know. Depends on depends on the horror writer, I think. But uh, Iris barges in, and her son is dead or dying, and Sally's all like, YOLO, I gave him the same shit I took, and kind of floats out of the room and has some fun, like, free free tripping and associating through the hotel. But then Kathy Bates comes and shoves her face out the goddamn window as she hits the ground and doesn't bounce. (laughs) Oh, and there's also... um the fact that we're introduced or we see a younger or 20 year earlier Liz Taylor is man in the front desk currently. You and he looked, she, he, you thought the Russell Edgington looked younger. No, no, no. Younger as in it is actually 20 years ago. So technically okay. younger, but, okay. but right. no, he's, he is still there. And also one of the immortals. I'm thinking that's, this is true. And then hotel <laughs> California starts playing uh, which should have been another clue that this is not in Orlando, honestly. What was I doing? Uh, and Iris staggers back to her room, and her son and Lady Gaga is perched upon him with dark eyebrows like a hawk. And it says how beautiful he is. And then we go back to present day, and we see... Yeah, she ad-libs that line. Your boy has a jawline for days. <laughs> As an interesting tidbit, she ad-libs it. All right. And then Wes gets home, and Detective John, rather, gets home, packs his bags, kisses his daughter goodnight because he has to get the fuck out of there because Chloe can't stand his face. And, of course, he checks into Hotel Cortez. Of course he does. Of course he does. And, of course, he checks into Room 64. Of course he does. And I I was really bothered by that because that's such a stupid thing to do. But then I started thinking... Maybe he actually is wanting to recreate the circumstances of this vision he had of his son, and he's kind of like still grief struck and lost. And he's act he he. This isn't a random thing or him being stupid. He's carefully doing this because he's secretly wanting, you know. And he's a guy. I mean, like you know, he's a cop and he's got a gun and nothing has really threatened him in this hotel. Uh, but he slept through the junkie coming back to life underneath the bed. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if the and bed in room 64... he got the call that led him to that room, and then he saw his son, so I get it. I wonder if the room, the the the, the bed in room 64 is kind of like the dirt in American Horror Story Coven, where it's like a Lazarus machine. It brings you, you know, it's a pet cemetery. You bury someone underneath the bed, and they come back to life, and now they're one of the immortals. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. And, yeah, that's how we end, that's how we end the episode. What did you think? What did you think of Gaga? Because there's a lot of people that I think were looking to hate Gaga because they don't like Gaga, saying that Gaga was terrible. I thought she was she was at least adequate, and in some scenes, more than adequate. I think that she has a very um, what time period am I looking for? A very old school 
Hollywood film star feel about her, the way she holds her neck when she speaks, the way she delivers lines. I think that it's much more old Hollywood than it is. Um, yeah, it's very Madonna. You know, current like method acting. Yeah, it's very Madonna in the Vogue video kind of performance. Yeah. And I mean, I I like it. I think it works for the character she's playing. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't. I, the, her character is so weird that it's hard to say like this is not a natural performance because she's playing something that's clearly not natural and human. So a lot of her kind right. of quirky things, I think, work for the character. Like I, I thought her line delivery of this must not. This must never happen again. Was odd, but you know Gary, Gary Oldman's a lot of the Gary Oldman's deliveries as Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula are fucking odd and weird. But that's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I thought uh, you were gonna say Gary Oldman and Fifth Element came to mind. <laughs> well, there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. he he sometimes does different things in the characters he portrays, but. Uh, it, it it worked for me. I don't think that to me. I thought this problem, this the episode suffered from its structure. That like Ryan Murphy wanted to. Maybe this was his idea of weeding out all of the non-American horror story fans. Like everyone that's not already have affection for this show is going to nope out after the first commercial break, and then I'll have you know just the cool kids in a room that I can tell mm-hmm. start telling the story. Yeah, they alone again. Yeah. Because um, this, the first half hour of the show is there's no way you can get any kind of meaning or any kind of like grounding in the characters or care anything about what's going on other than sheer shock and exploitation. Right. And do you recognize a pattern with Ryan Murphy now that you've seen so many seasons is that he'll set some pins up in the first few episodes mm-hmm. that he doesn't even bother to come back and knock down later. Yeah. But they're just like, is this thing, is this thing, you know, throw it against the wall and see what sticks and then just let it sort of work itself out. I also don't think he realized what he has sometimes. Like, in retrospect, Twisty should have been a much bigger part of last season. But he yeah. was done with him and like the first, and he clearly had a, you know, a, a epilogue for him that they slapped into the last episode. But that was kind of the lightning in the bottle and he had already thrown the bottle, you know, smashed the bottle on the ground by the time everybody's like, this is fantastic. I can't wait to see what happens next. So I wonder, you know, he's kind of got like an AHDH kind of thing going on with this show or AHDD. Yeah. I don't know what the adult hyper attention deficit hyperspace disorder uh, we've got some ADD. feedback shall we consider it now yes we shall consider it okay um, if you'd like to send us feedback you can do so at ahs at baldmove.com uh, we don't have a lot to speak because that's how things usually go it takes a while to ramp up um, or also, are you on the forums too uh, yes, you can also get on forums.baldmove.com. There's uh, there'll be a thread for each episode where you can discuss it with your fellow fans. Uh, Joe Lore emailed us and said, "I was pretty disappointed in the first episode. It felt like a whole lot of nothing happened on the show besides having an identity crisis between the Shining, Buffy, Saw, and NCIS." Yeah, I mean that's the first uh-huh. forty minutes of this episode. That's funny. And yeah, um, there's no argument for it, and I think. Uh, to me, I feel like the first episode should have been a lot less weird, more weird stuff happening in the background and more about what, uh, Detective John and why we should care about them. And then 
but I, you know, clearly he needs to, he clearly he needs to set up this stuff going on at the hotel because I feel like he's going to want us to feel sympathy for Iris losing her son and Sally being a heroin addict and et cetera, et cetera. But it's yeah. just a lot to get in one episode and then to do all your crazy Lady Gaga shit too. I just feel like, you know, I feel like Ryan Murphy is a man of many ideas. Clearly he's done Glee where you can do any kind of genre of music and any kind of storyline that you want to. And it's high school. It, it makes sense. And he's got these still horror ideas. He just started the Scream Queens. Um, I just feel like he has so many great ideas, but his problem is trying to smash it all together. Like so many ideas about hotel or asylum or any of those things. And then he's just got all these strange things that are just put together and condensed into 13 episodes that it's just too much that if he had just taken the best of the best and refined it and, you know, smoothed it out, that it would be really, really quality television, but it's just so much, you know, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like Amer- aliens in the asylum was just so bizarre. Like why aliens? Well, Maybe it, make a whole thing about aliens. <laughs> you know, I thought the same thing about Coven that, there's clearly four or five filler episodes per season, which makes me wonder, why not just do an eight-episode run, and then you're done? Christmas time, you're done. You don't come back for the five episodes. Like, why does it need to be thir- – why does FX decree that this needs to be 13 episodes? They didn't do it with Fargo. Yeah. Right. Like, this – I know maybe it's a Ryan Murphy thing, but to me, this episode, this show should – every season I've seen should have been an eight-episode very tight, very creepy story, but it's bloated out to 13 and the show suffers for it. Agreed. Uh, we also have George S. He says, hey, guys, and welcome back. Thank you, thank you. We're glad to be here. I said, this season premiere is called the darkest of all the preceding seasons across social media, having dealing with child abduction, blood orgies, and drill dick Taylor. My only gripe thus far is that half the male cast looks exactly the same. I tend to get them all mixed oh. up. What? I know about that. They okay. they did that on purpose. Oh, really? It was all supposed to be. It was all supposed to be um, Lady Gaga's type. Interesting. Well, that's that's bad for Detective John, or yeah, maybe good for Detective John if he's if Lady Gaga's his type. Half the fun <laughs> of, George continues. Half the fun of the series is turning your brain off and just experiencing the show for what it is. And this episode was pretty creepy. The other half of the fun is picking up clues in the dialogue left by our spoiler-centric Mr. Murphy. Here are some things I picked up. Real estate. As you mentioned, Cecily, Marcy, the real estate agent, alludes to Murder House, stating she has put her dog she owned to sleep. She acquired the dog from the now-dead Harmon family from season one. Yeah, uh, Okay, this next point, George gets a little spoilery. So if you don't want to know something about casting news and ties in with uh, some literature and, you know, Ryan Murphy being an irrepressible spoiler whore, uh, you should probably switch off now. We'll see you next week. But for those intrepid few, I will continue. Sally and Donovan share a needle. Donovan asks Sally to change needles, the worry being a transfer of disease through the blood. Sally says she's clean and he uses her needle. Ryan Murphy explicitly states there are no vampires, just those under an ancient blood curse. Which, again, that is what vampires fucking are. Jesus. Um, this means that odds are Gaga and Donovan have the same affliction. Is it possible that Sally had it too and passed it through the needle? That would make Sally and Gaga related, which is possible through family ties, a.k.a. Little Women. 
He continues, books are sometimes... So. Wait, 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 listen. Books are sometimes clues to the plot, and this, and this one, the detective's reading Little Women. In this particular book, there's a man named Mr. March. Evan Peters is playing a character this season by the same name. Who has Spoiler four, alert! I know, right? Who has four daughters. One is named Beth. Gaga is playing Countess Elizabeth. Coincidence? I think not. Maybe Elizabeth is Mr. March, the original owner's daughter. Could Sally be his, too? Just providing some bright red bloody feedback to quench your thirst. Keep up the good work. I got completely derailed. Oh, about the the Little Women references are good. I'm so sorry. I, I completely missed the point. What did you say before the Little Women thing? That's it. No, before it. Oh, the blood curse? Oh, no, about... Um, Sally and Gaga being Sharon related. Needle. No, about the blood, the blood transfusion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's how it's passed, because I think that Donovan and Sally did not become immortal until they died that day, and Lady Gaga appeared. I've been trying to figure this out too, because so because she seems to have always been in the hotel. Um, Sally's look with the crimped hair is that contemporary to 1994? Yes. Okay, because I was kind that's of still, under the same that's impression. Like still clutching the 80s style coming into um, the grunge look of 90s. But Dennis O'Hare, or Liz Taylor, says as she's walking uh, John Lowe up to room 64, makes a comment that says, um, some, there are some people who have been here since the dawn of time. And I think that he might be being quite literal. Well, maybe not the dawn of time, but since a Hotel Cortez was built, maybe. Oh, that I think dawn Lady of Gaga time is, is always there. I think dawn of time is super literal. This is going to be like another, like again, like if this is a Lilith or you know daughter of Cain situation, then Murphy, goddamn it, that's a vampire. It's just a vampire. You've reinvented the vampire with a, like a slight twist on it. This, you're Stephanie Meyering yeah. vampires. Stop, stop trying to say they're not vampires. <laughs> yeah, or give us something else to call them, vampires. I think vampires. I'm gonna try to get vampire to stick. Uh, George yeah. finishes with a postscript. He says, Kathy Bates has a feed. What's its name in room 33? Any speculation on what oh, that yeah. is? We didn't even mention that. Um, this is also spoilery because, again, Ryan Murphy can't help himself. But I just know the name of the thing, and that is Bartholomew. Huh. Bartholomew, huh? Yeah. But he did say that in the next few episodes we would be introduced. He, no, no, no. He said there was so an entire episode. She's going to have to feed John, to a, a dog form of John Candy. She's going to have to feed a dog form of John Candy. That's a Spaceball <laughs> joke. Uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't know. And here's, so I'd like to, I'd like to know this from people. And I guess I've already self-selected for the people that don't care about spoilers. But what do you think about stuff that Murphy's saying in the press? Like, should we consider that spoilers? If the creator of the yes. damn show is throwing spoilers, spoilers out there, are they really spoilers? Like, he must just, not think that they're... If you, so, 
Yeah. If you're so eager to, for us to see it or hear it or whatever, just drop the first three episodes on us, why don't you? And then we can talk about it together. <laughs> yeah. But then he'd only spoil the next three. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's strange how much information he's given away about his own show. No, like it's so maybe, weird dealing with, like, Matthew Weiner and Vince Gilligan yeah. and how secretive they are. And then this guy who's just like, blah, 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 here's the spoil, you know. Here's what happens thing in the I'm finale. So look at it, look at it, look at yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's almost like he's not confident that people are going to pick up what he's putting down. Yeah. You know. Or I don't know. He just seems so excited that he's just he seems so excited that he just wants to talk about it. That could be and too. I get that. That could be too. I get that. I mean, you guys do that in the forums and on your Facebook and hell, you even make a podcast because you're so excited about things that you want to talk about it, but maybe restrain yourself until the end of the season and do a very in-depth interview and say, I did this because of this. I mean, I think that that would be much more rewarding. You could explain everything away if you want to, but, but for me and having going into reading this interview without any warning and him just dropping all this knowledge on us, I'm like, well, I there was a mystery about Room 33, and now I know that it's a monster that has an episode called, and his name is Bartholomew. But you, you know, don't really know what I mean. That's like a, that's almost a teaser, not a spoiler. That's true, but I mean, they're like telling me that that monster that raped Gabriel was the addiction demon, and uh, I can't immediately remember, but. I mean, there was so much more in the interview that he just gave away. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, Bartholomew is one of the disciples of Christ, and there's, like, a lot of Apocrypha. Um, I did – I was Googling this in the background. So it seems like you could probably get on Google and find out some – things about him and his relics and his miracles and his impact. And and those are probably some clues to what we're dealing with here. Exactly, especially with the Ten Commandments and the beginning oh, of I forgot. the... Yeah, we forgot about that with the damn credit sequence. The fact you're flashing. There you go. You just figured out that it's some sort of religious icon or something. You know what? I bet that and ties then, into what the serial killer is doing. Except for, I don't yeah. think the ten, there's a Ten Commandments about... He seems to be doing the seven... He, oh, that's the other thing Ryan Murphy gave away, is that Evan Peters is playing Mr. March, which is the serial killer who's doing the Ten Commandments, or the Seven Deadly Sins murder. Oh, it is Seven Deadly Sins? Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So well, like, you know, it would have been interesting just to let him let it play out, and then we figure it out and make the audience feel smart about it. I know. But maybe that's what he's doing. He's like, I know there's going to be some twats on the Internet looking up the little woman connection and they're going to be all smug about figuring this shit out. Well, fuck you. Here it is. Here's your connection. Like maybe it's a little mean spirit. Yeah. He's tired of people stealing his thunder. It's like, I, I'm the smart person. (laughs) I'm the smart one. All right. That's all I got for this episode. You got anything else for closing thoughts? No, that was good. I can't wait to talk about it next week. All right. Again, feedback, AHS at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com and we will be back for the next episode on another Friday. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye-bye.